Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. All right, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Sunday school, we're going to dismiss our children to Sunday school. Those of you that are remaining, we're in Jeremiah chapter 29. God bless our children and their teachers. Amen. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Here's what he thinks about. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and you will pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. If you don't search with all your heart, you'll never find it. But he wants to be found. Now God's not lost, you are. God knows exactly where he is and he knows exactly where you are. But we need to find him and seek him with all of our heart. So today I'm gonna preach a message called, Ready or Not, Here I Come. Ready or not, here I come. God bless you, you may be seated. Thank you, Sister Bauer. When I was a little boy, we lived in a subdivision. And in our subdivision, there were street lights that were at the intersections. And the street lights were a place of where people would gather sometimes for fellowship or to play games after dark. You see, most people didn't watch TV till after dark because while it was light, we were outside playing. But when the weather's really nice and it's summertime and you're out of school and you got a lot of time on your hands, you don't mind staying out and playing at night too. So we played this game and we called, the game we called was Kick the Can. Anybody ever hear of that before? Oh, I'm not alone. Kick the can. Well, our version of the way that the game is going to be played is that the can, vegetable can that's empty, goes underneath the street light. And there are two groups of people. You are either the ones that hide or the ones that seek. That's why it's called hide and seek. And so the people that are hiders get get the count of 100 to hide while the seekers stay under the light and cover their eyes so they can't see where the people that are hiding are going. Now, the seekers also have flashlights. I'm hoping you'll be able to make this a spiritual illustration. The people that are seeking have flashlights, but the people that are hiding do not. 
So they want to get in as dark a place as they can and make it as difficult as they can for you to find them. Now, if I am a seeker and Brother Cordell is a hider, when I finally see him, I keep myself between me and that can because the first one to the can kicks the can. And as the, as the one that's seeking, if I see him and I kick the can, he is now captured. He goes over here and he's in jail. And we find all of the people that are hiding. Now, however, if Brother Cordell outran me and got to the can before I did and he kicked the can, everybody would be free. Is anybody preaching with me today? So if you kick the can before the seeker does, all the prisoners get to go free. Now that's the way the game works. But as I said, before the seekers can go after, they cover their eyes, they count to 100, and this is what they say as loud as they can. Ready or not, here I come. I'm looking for you. My goal is to capture you. Now, if you can get that illustration, you'll be able to understand what happens here in Genesis chapter 3. <clears throat> in Genesis, God and Adam are, are talking and walking every day. It says in the cool of the day. They have a harmonious relationship. They enjoy one another's company until sin gets a hold of Adam and Eve. And then we play a game called hide and seek. This is the first hide and seek in history. Right here in Genesis chapter three. The Lord called unto Adam and he said unto him, where are you? That's the seeker. And he said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. You see, what happens is when we feel guilty <clears throat> and we're in sin, it's hard for us to get to church. It's difficult to pray and walk with God because our sin brings us guilt. And so we have a tendency to hide from God. Another time that we hide from God is when everything's going great in our life and we don't need God, or so we think. I mean, everything's just fine. I mean, take a look at our, our economic situation in our country. Isn't it great? I mean, things are going pretty good here. Church attendance will be down until 9-11 or the next tragedy or the next shooting. Then we'll come back to God. In the meantime, we hide from God. We either don't need God or we feel guilty about the way we live. And yet God continues to seek us. Now on the positive though, when we get in trouble, we tend to seek God. Well, I got a financial problem. I need a healing. Or maybe we finally come to the realization that something is missing. 
in my life. There is a hole in my soul and I can't seem to find satisfaction. And so we begin to seek after God for whatever God can do to fill the voids in our life and meet our needs. So the roles sometimes reverse themselves of hide and seek. I want to tell you another story. When I was a, when I was a boy, I was probably about oh, 10 or 11 years old, and I used to hang out with kids that were older than me. And um, even at that age, we would build snow forts. How many of you ever built a snow fort? Yeah, build snow forts. Man, we used to build tunnels through those big drifts, you know, where the plows would push everything up in a corner. And and king of the hill, we'd climb on the mountain and challenge one another to come up. And another thing that we did in those forts, though, was we made snowballs and we left them inside of the fort to defend our territory. But if you leave a snowball outside in bitter, bitter cold, it no longer is soft, it becomes like a rock. And then we called them ice balls. And it's very easy to defend your fort with ice balls. Now I told you all that to explain to you what happened on this particular day. This particular day, these older boys had me with them and they offered me a challenge. He said, you know, if you're gonna hang out with us, you gotta prove yourself. You gotta show us that you're as good as we are. You see across the street from your house, that neighbor's house? Yeah, I said, yeah, that's, that's where the roses live. That was their name. Oh, not anymore. No, no, the roses have moved out. Nobody lives in that house anymore. It's just going to seed. It's, it's unoccupied. I thought, oh, I, I didn't know that, but come to think of it, I haven't seen them for a while, though they, you know, maybe they were on vacation. I don't know. But they said, we think that we are better at throwing snowballs than you are. And we think we could hit that window in the kitchen. And we don't think you could. I said, oh yes, I can. I can hit that window. I said, you go first and you show me. And they threw their snowball and they missed. They may even missed on purpose, I don't know. And they slipped me an ice ball. And I'll never forget it, I had that ice ball and I wanted to impress my friends and I believed what they told me. So I threw the ice ball right through the kitchen window, smashed in the sink. Oh, and, uh, and I said, well, it's no big deal, nobody lives there, that's what you guys said. Oh, we were just kidding. They really live there, man. You are in for it now. You are going to get the beating of your life. And they weren't happy with just making me upset. They wanted to make me cry. So they just kept telling me how bad it was going to be for me now. You remember that movie, Rick, that you watched, Boys Town? Guess what? That's where you're going to be living. When they find out that you broke this guy's window, you're going to Boys Town. Really? I have to live in Boys Town because I, yeah, that's, well, there might be a way out. Maybe, maybe your dad will go to jail for you instead. (laughs) They'll put your dad in jail. Then your family won't have any money and you won't be able to eat. Oh, you've really done it now. And I mean, they laid it on thick. 
And I remember tears coming down my face. I mean, I just, I thought, oh, the terrible things that are going to happen. So I decided when my dad gets home, I'm going to be ready for him. I'm going to go to my dad right away, and I'm going to tell him, I'm not going to throw my friends under the bus, but I'm going to tell him that I broke the window, and I prepared this little speech, you know. I had a few cheat notes, and I was waiting, and when my dad, I was nervous all day until my dad got home. My dad came home, and I said, Dad, I absolutely have to talk to you right away. And he was so patient, you know. And I, he's all dirty from work, you know, and, and I'm sure he's tired. And he puts down his lunch pail and he pulls up a chair and he said, all right, son, what do you want to tell me? And I was, the waterworks came, you know, I'm crying. Dad, I did this. I broke this guy's window and, and I don't want to go to boys town and I don't want you to go to jail and, and I don't want our family to starve to death because of my selfishness. And, and, and you know what? He, I thought I was going to get a beating. But let me tell you something about your heavenly father. When you come to him, somebody preach with me today, and you just tell him the truth, and you just come with humility and say, hey, I did this. I'm not blaming anybody else. This is on me. I'm sorry, what can I do? Is anybody preaching with me today? What can I do to make this right? What can I do to make this right? My dad said, I know what to do. He said, stand up. I thought, oh, here it comes. He grabbed me by the hand. He walked me over to Rose's house. And he said, Mr. Rose, my son Rick has something he'd like to tell you. And I folded my hands and I looked down at the floor and I told Mr. Rose what I did and how sorry I was. And when I lifted up my eyes and looked at Mr. Rose, Mr. Rose looked at my dad and then Mr. Rose looked at me and my dad said, Mr. Rose, my son will pay for the window. Here's the money to fix your window. I'll get it from him. And he took it from my allowance, and I didn't have to go to Boys Town, <laughs> and he didn't go to jail. Now, I'm gonna lay it right on you. I've set you up, just like Jesus does. He sets you up with a story, and then he gives you an application. We have messed up. We have done wrong. We have hurt other people, and other people have hurt us. But we need to be childlike in our offenses. Jesus, listen, all, all of us like to quote John 3 and, and say, you must be born of the water and the spirit or you can't enter the kingdom of God. Jesus also said, except you become as little children, you can't enter the kingdom of God either. That's in there too. And if it's in there, we have to adhere to it and obey it. And so when somebody hurts you, breaks your window, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to forgive them? Are you going to give them the opportunity to make restoration? And even if they don't make restoration, what are you going to do about it? I cannot afford 
to miss the coming of the Lord. I cannot afford it. You, I, you're, I, 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 the real little children are gone now. The rest of you can understand this. You are not worth going to hell for. I just got to tell you that. You're not worth it. So I have two choices. I can either forgive you and be ready or I cannot forgive you, withdraw from my ministries, fold my arms in my pew, and sometime later be out of the church entirely. Just a step-by-step process. Or I can be like that little boy who went to his dad first and then to his neighbor and said, I'll do what's right and I'm sorry. That's what we need to do as adults. We need to have a childlike attitude. Children trust and children forgive. That's why he was making that point. And we need to trust and we need to forgive because Jesus is seeking a bride. Let me read it to you from Ephesians. Oh, I gotta tell you this too. This is worth mentioning because you can use it against Michael. He's not here today. That little Ricky boy that had to make it right with his dad first, I got a son like that too. Sister Kylie, if this is not true, straighten me out. We would go to bed at night and just about be asleep and all of a sudden, knock, 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 knock. Dad, can I come in? Yeah, come on in. Dad, I can't sleep. Well, what's the problem, son? Well, I did this, and I feel bad about it, and I can't sleep. I said, all right, here's what you do, son. You go back to your room. You kneel down by your bed. You ask God to forgive you, and then you go make it right with the person tomorrow. Oh, thank you, Dad. Now I'll be able to go to sleep. And he did that on lots of occasions. And really, I'm paying him a compliment because that's the way we're all supposed to be. Ephesians chapter five, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and he gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word so that he could present it to himself a glorious church not having a spot, a wrinkle, or any such thing. Sounds like clothing, doesn't it? Does that sound like clothing to you? No spot, no wrinkle, or any of that stuff, but that it should be holy and without blemish or stains. Sounds like a garment. Now I'll come back to that, so just stay with me here. I want to dovetail on Brother Cordell's message from last Sunday. He did a great job of preaching on Mother's Day. Amen? Thank you, Brother Cordell, for that message last week. By the way, this is a good couple. I love our associate pastor and his wife, soon to be our senior pastor. I think they're doing a fantastic job. 
I support you 100%. Can I get an amen to that? Good spirit. Glad to hear that. Now, dovetailing on that message, here's the way the process works concerning a relationship with the opposite sex. Here's the way it works. We all begin with a blind date. Oh, no, no, no. I, I knew who I was dating the first, first time I went out with him. I'm the one that asked him. That's not a blind date. Oh, wait a minute. You only saw the outside of that person. You don't see the inside of that person. You are going in blind. You're only seeing what you can see from the outside on the first date. Now that might be the thing that interests you, but in the long-term relationship, that won't be the thing that'll keep the relationship. So in one sense, whether you asked a person or you were set up on a blind date, that's the way the relationship began. And now you begin to see if there's any interest you start developing patterns and interests and, and things that you would enjoy doing together in common. That may lead you to a second date. Or you may see enough in the first date and you say, that ain't never happening. I'm not interested in that person at all. And the blind date was real eye-opening to you. But a second date and perhaps many more show that there's an interest and after a while, in our high school, we used to call it going steady. It meant that we were an exclusive relationship. We weren't dating anybody else. It was just the two of us dating to see how serious this relationship could eventually become. We called that going steady. And if over a period of time we were convinced that this was the one and only for us, we then were willing, get this, to make a commitment to each other and before God. We called that marriage. We took vows. We made promises at an altar. We recognized in those vows and promises that there were going to be good times, but there were going to be bad times. There were going to be times of financial strain and there could even be illness that would come to one or to both of us. But, but we made commitments before God and to each other that till death do us part, we were going to make this work. And we were going to keep Jesus in the center of our volleyball net. Remember, he was going to be the white and we were going to be the red and blue, but Jesus was going to be the center of everything and he would hold this relationship together. And then, once that commitment was made, then we would truly know each other. There would truly be an intimacy. And unless there was some physical problem, there would be children. And that's the way that this relationship was established. Now, I'm, I'm hoping you can make a spiritual illustration out of all of this. The first time you ever came to church, that was a blind date, wasn't it? And you started learning a few things and some people never came back. But other people came and said, I'm still a little curious and 
I'm willing to listen and see if the answers are biblical. And, and pretty soon a relationship was developing and pretty soon it was more than just Sunday mornings. You might have been in a home Bible study. How many of you ever been in a home Bible study? Now you're going to church and it's not even Sunday because you're interested in this person. You're seeing if this is gonna be a long-term relationship. And then you're willing to make it an exclusive thing. You might stop going to the church you'd previously been going to because they're not preaching the truth to you and you realize it now, so you become an exclusive. And then one day, you come to an altar and you make all kinds of commitments and you take all kinds of vows. God, I promise you, I promise you, and you make that commitment and an intimacy comes over you and you know God like you've never known God before. And pretty soon you're so excited about your relationship that you're having children. People that you don't even know, you're inviting them over to your home for dinner. You're trying to get them in a Bible study. You're inviting them to church. You're praying with them at an altar. You're taking them places with you. Because you love God and you know what your calling is. And it is to have children. Everything that God created was meant to reproduce itself after its kind. We're supposed to reproduce ourselves after our kind. Could I ask you a question? Where are you teaching this week? Where are you teaching this week? Well, you know, I, I think Steve Kiley's scheduled for Wednesday. No, you're, you're not hearing me. Where are you teaching this week? Wherever you are and wherever they are. I'm looking for an opportunity. I want to have kids. I want to reproduce myself. I want to be so intimate with God that we reproduce together. Can I get an Amen. That's the way it's supposed to be. Listen to what, it, what John said here in 3 John verse four. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. No greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And by the way, side note, was in my prayer time today and it came back, so I'm gonna give it to you. Somebody said this past week, and it, it was a positive thing. They said, well, they're not going to an ap apostolic church, but they're going to a spirit-filled church. And when I heard that, I thought to myself, spirit-filled? Does that mean that everybody there is filled with the Holy Ghost? Everybody? That'd be great. But then I went, uh, this thought popped into my mind and, and I, I, you judge, you judge me. I, I give you permission to judge me. Do you know that you can have the spirit of God and not even be one of his children? Oh man, you just stepped over the line, Brother Kylie. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons and the daughters of God. The ones that are led, not the ones that are filled, because you can be filled and not be led. 
That's right. You still get to make all your own choices. And I'm going to show you, I'm going to prove to you that people can make the wrong choices or the right choices. And those choices are going to determine whether or not you're ready. Because ready or not, here I come. Here I come. I'm going to skip this proverb, Sister Kylie. Let's go over to 2 Peter chapter 3. Now, some people are here today, and they're saying, oh, yeah, you know, Brother Kyle, come on, hold on. I wouldn't say it, but I think it. I've been in the church a long time. And I've heard Jesus is coming, and he hasn't come. Sounds like the Jews of 6,000 years in the Old Testament. When's the Messiah going to come? When he determines it's time to come, he'll come. And listen to what Peter warned here in chapter 3, 2 Peter 3, verse 3. Know this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts, and they will be saying this. Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Nothing's changed and he hasn't come. There are people like that and you will have these thoughts in your mind. But one day, what day? I have no idea and neither do you. And people that say they do are going to end up embarrassing themselves. Because no man knoweth the hour. But he's coming. And I want to be ready. Right now he's seeking me. And I hope we're seeking him. Because if we do, we'll find him when we seek with all our heart. Matthew 24, the days of Noah were, so the coming of the Son of Man shall be. In those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. They knew not till the flood came, took them all away, so also the coming of the Son of Man shall be. Watch this. Even in the workplace, two will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two shall be grinding at the mill. One shall be taken the other left. By the way, don't be a part of the left. Don't be left. You want directions? Turn right and go straight. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. There it is. But know this, if the good men of the house had known in what watch the thief would have come, He would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. That's why he didn't give you the hour. He's no dummy. He knows you'd live like a devil till the last hour. Therefore, 44, be ye also ready. For in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Ready or not, here I come. So I believe that there are two requirements. And you can make up a big long list and tell me about believing and faith and all that stuff. But I believe there are two very demanding requests from God for us if we're going to have 
an intimate relationship. Number one, obedience. To obey is better than sacrifice. We got a lot of people sacrificing. We need more people obeying. I make a sacrifice. I go to church, I try and be a good person, and you have a big, long shopping list, sacrifices. But obedience is what he's looking for. Matthew chapter 22, verse 12. Friend, how did you come in hither not having a wedding garment? Now, I may be wrong, and you can correct me. I give you permission to correct me again if I'm wrong. But is this illustration that he's talking about possible that somebody gets raptured and yet they don't have a garment? How did you come in here without a wedding garment? And it says he was speechless. You know why he was speechless? He couldn't defend his position. He knew what he was supposed to do. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. The Spirit will, Spirit-filled church, the Spirit will lead and guide you into all truth. So if you truly have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit is going to lead you through the truth. And all the decisions that you need to be make, need to, that need to be made will be evident to you, but you will get to choose whether or not you will obey. That's up to you. He was speechless because he knew that he should have been baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of his sins, but he did not. And look what happens to this guy. Then said the king to the servants, bind him hand and foot, take him away, cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth because he's mad at himself for not obeying. What was so hard about it? Was it just pride that you'd have to admit that you could be wrong and that God's word was right? Was it just that you, you were afraid you'd be rejected from your congregation, that you couldn't be obedient to God? We ought to obey God rather than men. Somebody preach with me. We ought to obey God rather than men. God's word is higher than our words. His thoughts are above our thoughts. Obedience, absolutely necessary. And the second thing, intimacy. God doesn't like things lukewarm. I know you can say amen to that. You've heard that enough. I don't like my ice cream warm. I don't like my pancakes cold. Just eat a cold egg. He wants hot or cold. A good tree, Matthew 7, 18, a good tree bring forth, cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree, here it is, that bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. It becomes campfire wood. 
Wherefore, by their fruits, what they are producing, you will know them. Now, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But here's the obedience again. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, many will say, look at this, spirit-filled church. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have not we prophesied in your name? And in your name we've, we've cast out devils and we've done many wonderful works. Look what he says to them though. I never knew you. How's that possible? Depart from me, you that work iniquity. How is it possible that these wonderful works, these prophecies, these casting out of demons, and we could have probably listed healings and other things there, how is it possible that all those things happen and yet they are rejected because there's no intimacy? It's all a show that glorifies you but there's no knowing, if you know what I mean. There's no knowing me. There's no intimacy. Therefore, all the glory belongs to you rather than all the glory belonging to me. I want obedience and I want intimacy. I want you to be led by the Spirit so that you can follow and know the truth because only the truth will make you free. And because they had not a love of the truth, God will send them a strong delusion that they would believe a lie. You better have a love for the truth above all else. I think I've made my point, so I need to quit. Let's stand together. Revelations 19. Let me end on a very, very positive note. Obedience and intimacy because ready or not. And I hope it's not a not. Here I come. Revelations 19 and 7. Let us be glad. Let us rejoice. Let us give honor to him. For the marriage of the lamb is come. Here it is. And his wife has made herself ready. How many of you can say today, come Lord Jesus, today would be great. Right now would be just fine with me. All of my schedule and all of my plans, none of that matters. The only thing that matters is my intimacy with you for eternity. That's all that matters to me. Ready or not, and ready I am here, I want you to come. So to her, because she made herself ready, to her was granted that she should be arrayed in, here it is, the clothing again that we read about in Ephesians. Fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Right, 
Blessed are they which are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said unto me, these are the true sayings of God. I leave you with this thought. Life is just the dressing room for eternity. That's all it is. Here's your chance to seek and to find God in his fullness and to become obedient to him and intimate with him, to be used of him and to reproduce yourself in other people because ready or not, Jesus is coming and we and they need to be ready. Jesus, I pray for this congregation. I pray a spirit of evangelism over this congregation today. I pray that we would take seriously what your word says and how important it is for people to know you intimately and to obey you fully. Lord, cause us even not to sleep at night at times for people that you have given us a burden for. Give us teaching assignments throughout the week. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.